Welcome to Stories from Among the Stars. You're listening to A Memory Called Empire by Arkady Martin, narrated by Amy Landon. Chapter 13 Is Wazwakat 30 Larkspur to be made Imperial Associate? In light of his continued service to his illuminate brilliance, the Emperor's Sixth Direction of Altex Kalan, the Iswaswakat 30 Larkspur will, as of 9.30, on this first day of the third year of the 11th indiction, be recognized as an associate to the imperial throne, equal in rank and in authority to Imperial Associate 8 Loop and Imperial Associate 8 Antidote. May the three imperial associates grow stably together, equilateral in desire, and rule jointly if necessary. Imperial Proclamation, posted in Plaza Central 7 subway station, defaced with red spray paint, non-holographic, reading One Lightning in the center of a loosely drawn Texcalanli war flag, confiscated by Sunlit Patrol on the 249th day of the third year of the 11th indiction, to be destroyed. There is no useful reason to deny Texcalan another ambassador, despite our uncertainty as to Yaskander Agavin's fate. We need a voice in the Empire, and Mr. Agavin has not been a very communicative one even before now. I recommend that a thorough aptitude test be administered to volunteers, as well as to young persons without Imigo line, who have particularly high scores on Texcalanli Imperial examinations. And a new ambassador selected from the most compatible of them with the Imigo recording of Agavin, which I remind you, we do have, despite it being out of date. Internal Memo from Amnardbat of Heritage to the Remainder of the LaSalle Council Public Records Later, Mahid would remember the rest of that afternoon in snatches, single moments disconnected from one another by how time stretched and denatured itself under the pressure of exhaustion. Her first view of Twelve Azalea's flat the walls hung with artwork, copies of off-world oil and acrylic and ink drawings, mass-produced but of high quality. And how Twelve Azalea had looked obscurely embarrassed when she'd mentioned how nice they were, as if he hardly ever had visitors to comment on his taste. The needle-sharp heat of his shower, and how all the soap in Takes Cologne smelled of a flower she couldn't place, peppery and foreign shading to familiar, the texture of the loose trousers and shirt he'd loaned her, rough silk, and too short in every dimension, hovering halfway up her calves and her forearms. How lying down on the wide couch had felt absurd, and then gone. Texture and sound blinked out to nothing. The weight of three seagrasses back, pressed to her back, stretched out beside her. Opening her eyes to a blur of motion on the hollow screen, Twelve Azalea, eating some sort of noodle dish out of a plastic container with long sticks. Cross-legged on a chair as he watched a sanitized version of the end of the protest going on just outside his windows. And hearing the distant crash of breaking glass. And going away again. Inside her own mind. Just for a little while. Into that dark space where Yaskander should have been. When she woke properly, it was full dark. Twelve Azalea had fallen asleep at the table next to his meal, his head folded on his arms, and the hollow screen was still going, 
with the volume turned down, moving images casting light across his face. Mahit gingerly disentangled herself from both the couch and three seagrass, who looked pale and unhealthily gray, even asleep. Had she sufficiently recovered from the neurological strike? Mahit couldn't imagine that she had, and crossed to the window. The street outside was quiet. The golden, blank face shield of a sunlit glinted from the corner of the intersection. There were at least four of them in this quiet residential neighborhood, keeping a threatening watch. Bombs in a restaurant, demonstrations, and now riots. If the sunlit really were under one lightning's control, their presence here was a sign of how much the Yautlek was trying to present himself as the only possible force for order in a rapidly intensifying climate of social distress and anxiety. Mahid thought it was smart positioning. She'd think it was even smarter if one lightning didn't need to head up a war of conquest to prove his imperial bona fides. Still, the repeated attempts of the sunlit to get her to surrender, not to the emperor or to the city, but to one lightning, reflected a deeper wound in Six Direction's ability to control Texcalon than she'd expected. How much had he already lost? She'd never quite thought about how barbaric, still a terrible little thrill, to apply that word in Texcalon to the language's own speakers. Texcalonly modes of succession really were. When it wasn't confined properly to epics and songs, Empire claimed by acclamation was a brutal process that cared not at all for the places and people who had to succumb to make that acclamation plausible. The hollow screen was still on the news feeds. Bright red glyphs cycled over the bottom half of the screen, arranged in a charming doggerel verse. Urgently direct your attention. Novelty and importance characterize what comes next in two minutes on Channel 8. Mahit nudged Twelve Azalea on the shoulder, and he startled into consciousness. What? He said, rubbing a hand over his face. Oh, you're up. How do you change the channels on your hollow screen? Mahit asked. Uh, what do you want to watch? The novelty and importance on Channel 8. Channel 8 is politics and economics. Hang on. His eyes tracked under his cloud hook, tiny micro-adjustments, and the hollow screen flickered, shifted. Channel 8 hovered in the right top corner, superimposed on the image of the bridge of some vast ship, a gleaming place, cold metal and pale lights, titanium and steel, and the golden takes Kalanli battle flag splayed on the back wall, blatant in its cluster of sunbeam spears. In front of it was a dark man, blunt-faced, with narrow lips and high cheekbones. A face like the facets of a stone, made for bludgeoning. His uniform was silver-shot with regalia, medals and honors and rank stripes. One lightning, Twelve Azalea said. Hey, Reed, wake up for this. Three seagrass shoved herself upright. There were pressure marks from the couch cushions across one of her cheeks but her eyes were intent. Can't sleep through the propaganda. No, it's out of character for me, she said. Not at all like Eleven Lathe, Twelve Azalea said, fond. And Mahit ached 
suddenly. To have friends who could tease her like this. To have friends like she'd had on LaSalle. Hush, the Yautlek is talking, turn it up, said Three Seagrass. He was. He had a stentorian delivery, not a rhetorician, one lightning, but a man who could shout effectively over long distances. Mahit could imagine being one of his soldiers. And as he continued, firm and deliberate, and with an air of vast and urgent concern, she could imagine why his soldiers would follow him, even against the emperor they were all sworn to serve. Even here, in orbit, just returned from our successes in the Odile system to the heart of the world, my ship, 20 sunsets illuminated, is aware of the chaos and uncertainty which is boiled up in the streets of the jewel of the world, the Yautlek said. And whoever was in charge of broadcasting on Channel 8 obligingly began to splice in footage of the protests. Mahit recognized the view outside Twelve Azalea's window some hours earlier and wondered where the cameras were and how many other people were watching through them. Thought again of the city as an algorithm, considered for the first time clearly that no algorithm was innocent of its designers. It couldn't be. There was an originating purpose for an algorithm, however distant in its past, a reason some human person made it, even if it had evolved and folded in on itself and transformed. A city run by 10 Pearls algorithm had 10 Pearls initial interests embedded in it. A city run by an algorithm designed to respond to Takes Kalanli desires was not innocent of those same Takes Kalanli desires, magnified, twisted by machine learning. A city run by an algorithm designed by Ten Pearl could suddenly rise up against anyone Ten Pearl designated. And if he was working with the Ministry of War, if the Ministry of War had... What? Gone over to One Lightning already? And made some sort of arrangement with science? This street wasn't the only one showing up on the newsfeed, full of angry takes Kalanitzlam. Apparently, there had been a sort of mass outbreak of peace protests all over the sector. The camera unerringly picked out the purple lapel flowers on the shoulders of many of the protesters in every location. Channel 8, Economics and Politics, was certainly not on the payroll of 30 Larkspur, Mahit guessed. Not with that focus, while simultaneously playing One Lightning's anti-protest speech, his voice rolling onward, saying, I... And all of the brave servants of Takes Kalan I have the honor to serve with have sympathy for the wishes of the people of the jewel of the world as they dream of peace and prosperity. But from our vantage point above you, the clarity of our eyes sees what you cannot. Your full-hearted desires have been co-opted by the self-serving design of the imperial associate, 30 Larkspur. Three Seagrass hissed through her teeth a sharp little intake of breath that fit perfectly into how one lightning paused for all the watchers to have their own moment of shock. The imperial associate cares neither for war nor peace, one lightning thundered. The imperial associate cares for profits. He would not have lent his approval or funding to these protests if our war had been directed toward any other sector of space. 
but this sector threatens his interests. Yeah, come on, tell us how. Where's the punchline? Three Seagrass said. Mahit stole a glance at her. She looked transfixed, alight, her eyes blazing. In this quadrant lies LaSalle Station, an insignificant independent territory, which has, unbeknownst to the population of Texcalan, been providing 30 larkspur with illegal and immoral technology for neurological enhancements. I can only imagine that the annexation of this station would cut off his secret supply, and thus he feels compelled to co-opt the noble impulses of the people we both serve and stir up unrest. Now that's interesting, Three Seagrass breathed, at the same time as Twelve Azalea turned the hollow screen off. That's a problem, he said. Is it true, Mahit? Not to my knowledge, said Mahit, who could not imagine how one lightning had decided that it was 30 Larkspur who wanted Imigo machines, and not Six Direction, not to mention how one lightning had discovered them in the first place. Unless it was blatant propaganda. She sighed. And that is in fact the fucking problem. To my knowledge, isn't sufficient. Twelve Azalea sat down across from her, heavily. To your knowledge, Ambassador Agarvin did not provide 30 Larkspur with illegal technology, with neurological enhancements, with immoral technology. What's the part you don't know about, Ambassador? Everything about this was abruptly infuriating. Mahit was so very tired of disambiguating between the tiny shades in meaning between one Texcalanli phrase and another. The effort it took to rearrange the emphasis of a sentence to render it accurate. The effort it took to keep straight what she had told Three Seagrass, what she had told Twelve Azalea, and what she hadn't told anyone at all. The emperor saying to her, who else can provide 80 years of peace? Her sick, growing certainty that maybe he was right, considering the state of his possible successors and how determined they all seemed to be to rile the people of the city into destruction and violence for the sake of their own ascensions. Her jaw hurt from gritting her teeth. Ambassador Agavin did not provide 30 Larkspur with anything of the kind, to my knowledge. Also, I am not entirely sure what counts as immoral in takes Kalan. Why are neurological enhancements such a problem for you? But he provided someone with them, Twelve Azalea said, as if he had come to a satisfying conclusion to a logic puzzle. Promised them, Mahit said, resigned, which actually does leave me with more leverage than I might have had otherwise. If he'd actually delivered before he got himself killed, I'd have nothing at all to bargain with. Mahit? Three Seagrass interjected, entirely too calm for Mahit's taste. I am beginning to have certain suspicions about what you discussed with his illuminate majesty. Hiding anything from you is an exercise in futility, isn't it? Mahit said. She wanted to put her head down on Twelve Azalea's table and possibly bang her forehead against it a few times. Three Seagrass touched her shoulder, 
a brief, soothing gesture, and shrugged. I'm your liaison. Technically, we aren't supposed to hide anything from one another. We'll work on it. Must we? Mahid said, helpless. And then, when Three Seagrass managed a credible LaSalle-style smile with visible teeth, and she found her face echoing it all despite herself, asked again, What makes technology immoral? Tell me that, if you're not hiding things. Very little is immoral, Three Seagrass began. The Yautlek is appealing to a very traditionalist, law and order and triumphal processions every spring sort of person. But there's something unsettling about your imago machines, Mahid. We don't like devices or chemicals that make a person more mentally capable than they are on their own merits. You took the exams, didn't you? Twelve Azalea asked. The Imperial Aptitudes. Mahit nodded. They'd been a delight. After the endless series of imigo aptitudes, they'd been all takes Kalanli literature and history and language, and she'd taken them for her, and out of the hope that she might win a visa to the center of the empire someday. So much of who we are is what we remember and retell, said Three Seagrass, who we model ourselves on, which epic, which poem. Neurological enhancements are cheating. Twelve Azalea added, and they are illegal to use in the aptitudes. There's a scandal every few years. Mahid was finding it difficult to equate an imigo, the combinations of persons, the preservation of skill and memory down generations, with cheating on exams. It has to be more complex than that. Cheating is illegal, but immoral? Immoral is being someone you cannot hope to emulate. Three Seagrass said, like wearing someone else's uniform, or saying the first emperor's lines from the foundation song and planning to betray takes Kalan all at once. It's the juxtaposition is what's wrong. How do I know that you are you? That you are conscious of what you're attempting to preserve? You pump the dead full of chemicals and refuse to let anything rot, people or ideas or or bad poetry, of which there is, in fact, some, even in perfectly metrical verse, said Mahid. Forgive me if I disagree with you on emulation. Takes Kalan is all about emulating what should already be dead. Are you Yaskander, or are you Mahid? Three Seagrass asked, and that did seem to be the crux of it. Was she Yaskander? Without him. Was there even such a thing as Mahit Desmar, in the context of a takes Kalanli city, a takes Kalanli language, takes Kalanli politics infecting her all through, like an imago she wasn't suited for, tendrils of memory and experience growing into her, like the infiltrates of some fast-growing fungus? How wide, Three Seagrass, is the takes Kalanli concept of you, she said just as she'd said before all of this had really gotten started. Three Seagrass spread her hands apart, a strained, rueful gesture. I'm not sure. Narrower than the stationer one, for most of us. Otherwise, one lightning's little stunt on Channel 8 wouldn't be effective, 
Twelve Azalea added. Just the suggestion that Thirty Larkspur is not only using the populace for his own purposes, but that those purposes are corrupted, pathetic. Anyone who needs enhancements is clearly not worthy of being emperor. I think, said Three Seagrass, that we are going to have a civil war. And then quite abruptly, she pressed her hand over her face, as if she was trying to hold back tears. Twelve Azalea had taken three seagrass out of the room. Mahit could still hear their voices, rising and falling softly, from around the corner in the kitchen. She had never seen three seagrass quite that upset. Not when she had been in danger of her life. Not when Mahit herself had been upsetting and alien and frustrating to work with. Not even in the aftermath of seizure. But she had crumpled like metal overexposed to radiation, friable, when her own considerable powers of analysis had come up with the answer that Mahit already knew. Takes Kalan was hovering on the verge of devouring itself alive. Mahit thought she could understand, by analogy and longing if nothing else. It was hard for her to wrap her mind around. The very idea of Takes Kalan not being permanent, irrevocable, eternal, and she was a barbarian, a foreign particle, just a thing that loved. Did she? Did she still? The empire's literature and culture, it wasn't home. It had never been the shape of the world for her like it must be for three seagrass. Only the shape that distorted the world out of true, the warp of heavy mass pulling at the fabric of space. The tears dripping out from behind three seagrass's fingers had still been awful and she was glad that Twelve Azalea had walked her off into the kitchen for water and the sort of comfort that old friends could provide. Alone for the moment, she reached into the inside pocket of her jacket and fished out her salvaged prizes from her apartment. The roll of paper, shaped into a faux infofiche stick, carrying a new message from LaSalle Station, and Yaskander's Imigo machine. She lay them both on the table in front of her, Neither was larger than the two joints of her thumb, a silver-pale spider of a machine that had held all of Yaskandra Gavin, and a slim gray tube of paper, sealed with the red wax and red black-and-striped stickers that marked off-world communication. Carefully, she ran her thumbnail over the wax, cutting through it, peeling back a curl of fragile red. The sealant was far more symbolic than actual, it would be very easy to open the communique and close it back up invisibly, if some mailroom official had wanted to. The sealant was metaphorical. And here she had to depend on Takes Kalani beliefs in privacy, in propriety. Those, and LaSalle encryption. Before she unrolled the paper all the way, she repeated the motion, just her nail sliding against the metal of Yaskander's Imigo machine touching what had touched him, had been nestled inside him. The central rectangular chip, dull now, as if the metal had been pickled, and all the long filament legs stretching from the corners, fractal branches which had infiltrated his brainstem. The base of her skull ached where her own machine rested. Sympathetic pain. LaSalle encryption here, too, no one could get to the Iskander encoded in the machine's memory, with all of his knowledge. Those missing 15 years that she'd never had access to, not even when the Iskander in her mind had been functioning correctly. 
She missed him so much. Would she like him? The man who had sold the cell secrets to Six Direction? She was worried that she would. That what he'd done wouldn't matter in the slightest, if only she could have an ally again in truth. Mahit cracked the rest of the wax on the communique and pressed the roll of paper flat on the table with both of her hands. What she saw written there was not what she expected. Oh, the message looked right. For the first moment, she stared at it. Paragraphs, written in an alphabet, the LaSalle alphabet with all of its 37 letters, shockingly familiar and unfamiliar at once. And the opening salutation signaled clearly that the following paragraph was using her own substitution cipher, the one which depended on a takes Kalanli grammar. It was the paragraph below that began to worry her. That one was in a cipher she not only didn't know, but one she'd never seen. Well, she had been hoping for good encryption. Twelve Azalea, she called toward the kitchen. Yes? Do you have a dictionary? Specifically, do you have Imperial Glyph Book Standard? Everyone has Imperial Glyph Book Standard, Three Seagrass called back. She only sounded mostly like she'd been crying. I know, Mahit said. That's why I chose it. So do you? Twelve Azalea came back in and peered inquisitively at the unfolded paper. Is that your language? It's got so many letters. You say this, an imperial glyph book standard has 40,000 different glyphs. But alphabets are supposed to be simple. That's what they tell us in information ministry training sessions, anyhow. Hang on, I'll get the dictionary. At least he had one. She could probably have bought one in any shop. But it was a relief to not have to find a shop, not with the city in its current unsettled state. Twelve Azalea dropped the book at her elbow with a thud. In codex form, it was over 400 pages long, grammar and glyphs arrayed in tables. What do you want with it? Sit down, said Mahit. Watch me reveal some LaSalle state secrets. He sat. After a moment, three seagrass emerged, her eyes red and sat next to him. It was strange, doing decryption for an audience. But Mahit was, she had realized, committed to these two. They'd stayed with her, they'd protected her, they'd put themselves in political and physical danger for her. And besides, she wasn't telling them how to decrypt the cipher, just which book to use. It didn't take her long, she'd written this cipher, she knew how to read in it. The first paragraph of the communique identified its sender, Daj Tarats. Mahit was almost surprised that the counselor for the miners would send a message to her, not Aknel Amnardbat from Heritage. But if Amnardbat was responsible, as Dekakel Onchu's secret communiques implied, for sabotaging her Imago machine, rendering her as damaged as she currently was, perhaps Tarats had intervened? intercepted the message and made sure he was the one to answer it? If she believed that, she was taking Dekakel Onchu's suspicions, suspicions she was never meant to have seen, as truth. And Tarats wouldn't have known about Onchu's warning to Yaskander. Tarats would be thinking about talking to a Mahit Dismar who might or might not have access to Yaskander Agavan, her imago, 
but who certainly didn't know why she didn't. If she didn't. Perhaps the sabotage was something else entirely, some personal failure of her own, and had nothing to do with a feud between distant counselors being played out at a remove. Start from the idea that Daj Tarats wanted to speak to her, whether or not he'd known about Amnardbot's sabotage, if Amnardbot's sabotage was even real. The counselor for the miners was almost always concerned with issues of defense and self-rule. It won him votes. If this message came from Tarats, the threat a Tixkalan the expansion war posed to LaSalle's sovereignty was being taken seriously, at least. Start with what she could absolutely be sure of, and entertain fantasies of sabotage. Wouldn't it be nice to have the cascading neurological failure not be her fault? An unworthwhile thought if she'd ever had one. Later. Mahit pieced together the rest of the decipherable paragraph, glyph by glyph. It acknowledged her message, that was one glyph, thanked her for it, another, and instructed her that the book cipher was not an appropriate level of encryption for the remainder of the message, which contained specific guidelines for action based upon an important point of information to which Mahit had heretofore not been privy. That took six glyphs, and the last one was damn obscure. She'd never seen it written before. It was a Takeskalani word for secret previously unrevealed to the uninitiated. Of course they had a word for that. Yes, yes, she muttered. So how do I decrypt the rest? Three seagrass snickered, and when Mahit looked up at her to glare, she held up her hands apologetic. I like watching you work, she said. You're very fast, even when you're confused. You could learn a real cipher, one of ours, if you memorize the season's fashionable poems. Easily, Mahit said, not mollified. But they're not real ciphers either, 3C Grass. I mean, they're not real encryption. Substitution ciphers are trivial to break with a decent AI and knowing what the key is, glyph book or poem. I know, she said. They're not encryption, they're art. And you'd be good at them. That was a strange kind of sting. Mahit shrugged and looked again at the last sentence of the only paragraph she could understand. Cipher. Kept safe, imprisoned, locked away. Personal hereditary knowledge, location within, belonging to. And then in perfectly clear stationer letters. Yaskander Imigo. The code to decrypt the rest of the message, with its secret previously unrevealed to the uninitiated, was located in Yaskander's knowledge base, not Mahit's, and Daj Tarats had expected her to be able to access it. He must not know about the sabotage, or he'd expected that the sabotage would fail, that she and Yaskander would have already integrated enough that any damage to the machinery that had brought them together would nevertheless be sufficient to decode this. Yaskander, who was malfunctioning, who was half gone, whether through sabotage or her own neurological failure, instead of here with Mahit, who she had no real way of reaching. There weren't enough curses in any language she knew, and even the worst possible words in Glyph Book Standard wouldn't be bad enough. How did she explain, I have lost the other half of myself and I need him, 
To these two takes Kalan Leedslam, who had spent some time a little while ago explaining how things like Yaskander were immoral. How did she even begin? Helpless with it, she said, I am so completely screwed, and waited for the reaction. She got one. Twelve Azalea looked worried, like he wasn't sure what he'd do if the barbarian burst into tears too. And three seagrass lost the last of her former expression of misery and returned to absolute and entire focus. Probably, but if you tell us why, I might be able to offer some unscrewing, she said. And Mahit got, all at once, why it was three seagrass and not twelve azalea who had been given the cultural liaison assignment. There were aptitudes that spelled for analysis, good observation of a situation, information acquisition. And then there were aptitudes that spelled for determination. And three seagrass was full up with the latter, as well as the former. She squared her shoulders, braced herself. If she and LaSalle Station were going to survive the transition of power from Sixth Direction to his successor unscathed, she needed as much unscrewing as Three Seagrass was willing to provide. Here we go, Yaskander. This is me, trusting someone from Takes Kalan with our lives. How did it feel when you did this? She wasn't talking to the silent Imigo Yaskander, she realized. She was talking to the dead man, who could only hear her if somehow she got access to whatever imprint of him might still dwell, an unused ghost, on his Imigo machine. I am supposed to have Yaskander Agavan, or at least a version of him, with me in my mind. I have an Imigo machine just like this one, Mahit began, picking up Yaskander's machine between her thumb and forefinger. My copy of his memories is from 15 years ago, or would be, if he was still with me. He isn't. He hasn't been since I saw his body the first day I was here. He is, or I am, malfunctioning. Three Seagrass said, I'd figured that much out, Mahit. I hadn't. Pedal, you just joined us this morning. Do you really have one of these inside you? What is it like? He said it like he'd say, does it hurt? To a person with a blistering burn. Blank absurdity. Mahit sighed. Irrelevant to the current problem, 12 Azalea, except that usually it's nice, and presently it is not working, and I need it to be. I need him. Because of what's in your encrypted message, said Three Seagrass. Because he has the key to it, and I need to know what my government wants me to do. There was a short silence. Mahit wondered if Three Seagrass was waiting for some further revelation, some actual useful piece of information that she could use to give Mahit some cultural liaison help. But there wasn't anything else. There was the message, and Mahit, and the hollow electric silence in her head. Then Three Seagrass said, What about the Yaskander in there? And pointed at the Imigo machine resting on the table between them all. I suspect he'd know just as well. It hit Mahit in a flash of psychosomatic ache. The tiny scar at the base of her skull opening. The new weight of an imigo machine nestled against the pink-gray folds of neurological tissue. All of that 
again. She closed her palm around what was left of Yaskandar Agavan, murdered ambassador, as if to hide him from three seagrasses observant takes Kalanli eyes. Let me think about it, she said. That's all for now. Thank you for listening. Make sure to follow Stories from Among the Stars on your preferred podcast app to get the next episode. Or if you just can't wait, you can buy the audiobook of A Memory Called Empire wherever books or audiobooks are sold. We hope you're enjoying this season. Please tell us what you think by filling out a quick survey with your feedback. Just go to bit.ly slash surveys from among the stars. That's bit.ly slash surveys from among the stars. Thank you.